0: Okay, this is chapter 2 we are doing and uh, we yesterday finished the chapter 1. So today we are going to do chapter 2, uh, Sai Satcharitra. the purpose of the book naming of the author. <coughs> my obeisance to Sri Ganesh, to Sri Saraswati and Sri, Sri Guru Maharaj and to the family deity, to Sri Sita Ramachandra, my most humble obeisance, I owe, bow in reverence to the most venerable Guru Sri Sainath. Invocations of the Divine had ended in the preceding chapter. The family gods and the Sadguru have been propiated. The seed has been sown of Sai's life story. Let us now deal with the purpose of writing this book. Who needs most to read this work with the connection of the work to the subject of the book will now be stated briefly, which will also introduce the listeners without effort to the book itself. In the first chapter we saw how Baba, to the great surprise of the villagers, used the device of grinding wheat to destroy the epidemic of cholera. As I heard of these marvelous leelas of Sai, my heart was flooded with joy and love which has burst forth in the form of poetic composition. So I thought I should describe to the best of my ability the blessed deeds of Sai which will be instructive to the devotee and will expiate their sins. And therefore, I have undertaken to write this very sacred life of Sai by commencing the writing of these stories, which makes for happiness in this life and in the life thereafter. Life of a saint is guide to the part of righteousness. It is neither Nyaya nor Tarkashastra. Hence, to one worth, of a saint's grace nothing would be strange or surprising and so my prayer to the listener is come and share in the joy for great is the good fortune of him who is always engaged in listening to the sacred stories in the company of the virtuous if i am not able to sketch the picture of the most intimate friend a long-standing companion whose company i have enjoyed day and night how then can i write the life of a saint I who know not fully, even my own true heart or mind, how can I faultlessly describe the thoughts in a saint's mind? In trying to determine the true nature of the self, all the four Vedas fell silent. How will I know for certain your true nature, O Sai? First, one must become a saint oneself. Only then can a saint be understood fully. How then can I describe the saint? And this, my own unworthiness, I already know full well. One may measure the volume of water in the seven great seas. The wide expanse of the sky must be covered, but never can the saint be comprehended by the human mind. In my heart I know that I am but an abject human being. But Baba's boundless power and glory creates in me an irrepressible desire to sing which is uncontrollable. Glory to you, O Sai, who are the repose of the poor and the meek. Unfathomable is your love, which simply cannot be described. Be gracious to me, your humble servant. I sincerely wish to write this account of your life, but I am afraid that I will be biting off more than I can chew. Save me from the world's ridicule, I pray. And yet, why should I have any fear, for Naneshwar Maharaj himself said that those who write the lives of saints, endear themselves to God. And it is that same God who has kindled the inspiration in my heart to write. Hence, dull-witted though I am, he knows best how to have his own work accomplished. What I will do is, uh, I will do a few verses, maybe one or two pages and then I will give you a small explanation on that. So, that way we will be able to continue from one page to another, otherwise we will lose track in the end. So, first and foremost what uh, uh, Dabholkar is saying over here, he is called Pand, like we described yesterday. What he is trying to say is, if you know something, let us say for example, I am writing about somebody. Now, I should know that person very well. But how can I write about somebody whom I am not able to fathom? In a sense, let us say if I am a filmmaker, I will understand the art of filmmaking. But if I am a critic, how can I say what the filmmaker is making or how the filmmaker is able to make or what is his mind? Now, think about it from the point of view of this, a sage, a great sage. Now the sage is a very very great person. How can we with our small mind describe how the sage is and what he is? We cannot even describe. It is just like being a critic and trying to understand a film. It's not possible. There are very finer nuances, there are very finer things about a sage which nobody can understand. So that is the reason why it is very very difficult for anybody to say what he is all about but Nyaneshwar Maharaj has written one of the very famous books yeah I have started recording Uh, Nyaneshwar Maharaj has written one very beautiful book called Nyaneshwari I don't know whether you know about it Nyaneshwari is an exposition on the Bhagavad Gita it's a very beautiful exposition on the Bhagavad Gita now Nyaneshwari was being recited I mean uh, Santa Nyaneshwar was reciting the Bhagavad Gita. Now, he also is Krishna's avatar himself. Now, the thing which he mentioned in that book is, I really do not have the qualification of... (laughs) Mega muted me. Okay. Uh, Okay. Now, the thing is, uh, Jnaneshwar Maharaj, what he did was, he was exposing, he was doing an exposition on the Bhagavad Gita. Now, when he was doing the exposition, uh, uh, somebody's mic is on. Uh, Brito, can you just help her? Guru has come, I think, so he is is helping her out. (laughs) Okay, alright. So, uh, now, Nyaneshwar Maharaj, he was reciting this very beautiful commentary. Yet, at that point in time, he is an avatar of Sri Krishna. Yet, at that point in time, he says, I am very sorry I am not able to do this because the reason was that I really do not have the qualification. Imagine he is the same person who has, he has said the same words to Arjuna and now he is saying that I am not in a position to even do an exposition on the same Naneshwari. So he says, first and foremost, my guru, that was his elder brother, he has given me the authority to speak on this matter then only I have the choice of saying those words. So whatever words that are coming in from my mouth are what he is speaking through me. Those are not my words. So exactly the same way here Hemadpant is talking about what he is going to write about Sai Baba. Now when he is going to write, he is definitely going to say the same thing. What he is going to say? That these words are being introduced to you through the... Writings of uh, Dabulkar, but they are Sai Baba's words himself, themselves. But if there are any mistakes, those mistakes will be accepted as my own mistakes. This is a very important way of showing your humility. That means if there are very, if there may be some grammatical errors or there may be some mistakes which may pop in. So, at that point in time, you are supposed to say those words. So, this is what the meaning is. In whatever manner the devotee resolves to serve them, it is really the saints themselves who get the service done through the devotees. The inspiration flows from the saints. Devotees are but an instrument. In short, it is Sai who is getting his own life narrated through an ignorant fool like me. This is the glory of the story which commands our respect. Sages and saints or even God himself narrates his own story by placing his hand of benediction on the head of him whom he chooses as an instrument. As for instance, in the Shake year 1700, Mahipati was similarly inspired so that Sadhus and saints had their lives written by him and his services accepted. Now Mahipati is a person who has written on so many sages and saints at that point in time. Mahipati has also written on Nyaneshwar, he has written on Tukaram, he has written on Janabai, he has written on so many saints during that period and uh, that is the reason why his name is taken over here, Mahipati. Service was similarly accepted by them at the hands of Dasaganu in the Shakhe year 1800 by making him write the lives of later saints. Which was purifying and ennobling for all. Just as Bhakti Vijay and Santa Vijay, Bhakti and Santa Leelamrut are the four compositions of Mahipati, Das Ganu has also written two others. Of this later, one is called Bhakta and the other Santa Kathamrut, both of which deal with saints and devotees who have come to be known recently. Bhakti contains the fascinating life of Sri Sai. Described in three chapters which the listeners can read for themselves. Similarly, Chapter 57 of Sant Katamrut relates a highly instructive, interesting tale as narrated by Sai to a devotee. Moreover, Raghunath Savitri Bhajanmala, authored by Raghunath and Savitri by Tendulkar, written from the author's personal experience in the form of padas and abhangas about the marvelous leelas of Sai is a source of great peace and happiness to people. By the way, this lady and this gentleman, Ragunath and Savitri White Indulkar, these are my great grandfather and great grandmother. Okay. Out of the overwhelming love for Baba, a child of his, Hari Sitaram Dikshit has written a preface of the same Bhajan Mala, which is a shower of nectar to the ever thirsty Chakora, and of which the reader should partake respectfully. Das Ganu's miscellaneous poems are also full of deep feelings and will gladden the hearts of readers as they read the Baba's leelas in them. Amida's Bhavanidas Mehta too has narrated with great love and devotion some miraculous tales of Baba in Gujarati, specific, especially for the Gujarati readers. Besides all these, some eminent Sai devotees have published from Pune a collection of Baba stories under the name of Sai Prabha. so that. When numerous such works are available, where is the need for this book? So the listeners may well question. Listen now to my reply. Size life is a great ocean, boundless, infinite, a mine of precious gems, which I, a tiny titwe bird, is endeavoring to empty. How can this ever come about? Size life is thus unfathomable, which is just impossible to recount fully and satisfactorily. One should therefore be content to narrate as much as one can and to the best of one's ability. Innumerable are the extraordinary stories of Baba, which, as well as the world's sufferings of the afflicted, enthuse the listeners for more and more, and steady the minds of the devotees. The stories Baba narrated were varied: some of the worldly wisdom, some of common experience, and those that explained his mysterious deeds. As the innumerable Vedic tales of divine origin are well known, so also were the numerous stories, captivating and pregnant with the meaning that Baba used to tell and when listened to with undivided attention, hunger, thirst was forgotten and inner contentment reigned supreme so that all other pleasures appeared as straw. Some may strive to be one with the Brahma. Some may work for proficiency in the eightfold part of yoga. Yet others may seek the fullness of the bliss of Samadhi. Listening to these stories, they will all get what they seek. These are different methods of reaching the Divine. The easiest and the simplest method for any human being is to become a Bhakt. A Bhakt would be definitely like I described yesterday. Bhakt is a person who has no specific desires, wants or needs the, he is not bothered about doing some upwas. Upas means, you know, uh, what do you call upwas? Fasting. Uh, fasting. He is not bothered about doing uh, going to some places like, uh, you know, the Himalayas or sitting in meditation for hours at stretch or even doing some yogic practices. He is not supposed to do any of these things. His job is only to be lost in the Lord. Singing He can sing bhajans, he can recite poetry, he can read the books, he can listen to the books. These are nothing but stories like what we are doing uh, on Saturdays and Sundays that is called the Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam, the simplest and the most beautiful text that has ever got written. Now this is nothing but stories of Sri Krishna and his various avatars that came about so that means what listening to the stories of the divine i'm sure you know all of us i think most of us have listened to the stories of the divine when we were children our grandmothers grandfathers or you know mothers or whoever they have told us all stories about rama and mahabharata and you name it of course we have also seen all the Ramanand sagars of this world also no doubt about it but still our mothers fathers we have listened to them Plus, there are certain things which are called Kirtan. I don't know whether you all have even gone for a Kirtan. Kirtan is a place where a sage or a saint, he sings with, you know, chipdi, those things which they have in their hand and ektari. Ektari is a single string instrument which was used even by the Narad Muni and also by Mirabai. If you have seen the Mirabai film or the, uh, you know, the serial, you will find that she used to go about with an ektari singing songs for Krishna this is the simplest and the most beautiful way of reaching god you don't have to do anything yes you don't have to do anything you just have to listen to it sing it or get lost in it the easiest thing to do is if you don't know singing yeah i mean many of the people over here may say i don't want to sing i don't want to do this so the best thing for us to do is to listen to the stories and that is exactly what we are going to do so these are stories of Sai Baba and this is a parayan on the Sai Satcharitra. It is it is full of stories and the stories are wonderful you will like them These tales liberate the listeners from the bondage of their karma, bringing enlightenment to their minds and bring happiness to all, without making any distinction. Hence, a wish arose in my mind to weave together a garland of these variegated tales, so worthy of a collection, so as to make an offering to Baba. This, I felt, was the best form of worship. Even a few words of these stories falling on the ears casually are enough to make misfortune of a creature recede at once. If then the entire story is heard with reverence and faith, a simple, trusting devotee will surely and easily cross the oceans of worldly life. Making me his instrument of writing, Baba will hold my hand to fashion the letters. I am but the instrument moving mechanically as Baba guides. Watching Baba's leelas for many years together, my mind kept toying with the idea fondly that Baba's tales may be collected together for the benefit of the simple and the loving devotee. Those who have not had the actual darshan of Baba to pacify their eyes may be at least gain some merit by listening to the stories of His greatness. And should a truly fortunate one feel the urge to read the stories, he he will at least have the experience of joy and inner satisfaction on doing so. Such was the thought that came to my mind which I conveyed to Madhav Rao Deshpande, but I still had doubts whether I would be able to write a book for I had already crossed the sixty-year mark. And at sixty, the wicked mind is more prone to create problems and obstacles. Moreover, feebleness of body might prevent a full-blooded effort and all that would remain would be empty babble of words. And yet, rather than waste the effort on something meaningless and empty, it would far better be employed in size service. It would at least make for some spiritual advancement. Hence this yagya or effort. The thought came to my mind that I should write down an account of what I experienced. By day and by night a constant contemplation on which will bring peace and repose to the mind. I wish to present to the listeners those utterances of Baba which can repeatedly and with a natural ease were so firmly rooted in the self-experience and brought satiety to to the self. Many were the tales of wisdom that Baba narrated. Many devotees he guided to the part of bhajans. If I were to make a complete collection of these, it would become Sai Baba's gatha that is sacred poetic compositions. Whoever narrates these stories and whoever listens to them respectfully will both enjoy a rare peace of mind and repose. Listening to these tales which which came straight from Baba's mouth, the devotee will become oblivious to the physical suffering and as they meditate upon these constantly, they will be liberated automatically from the ties of the worldly life. The words that came out of Sai's mouth are as sweet as nectar. How can I describe their beauty and charm? Listening to them, the heart will be filled with supreme bliss. And when I find someone narrating these stories without any pretensions to learning or virtue, I feel that even if I rolled in the dust at his feet, deliverance for me will be near at hand. The most remarkable style of presentation of these stories as also the ingenious use of every word and phrase, holds the audience enthralled beginning bringing joy to one and all. As the ears thirst for the stories and the eyes long for his darshan, so will the mind transcend consciousness, being absorbed in divine concentration. My loving guru is my mother. As his stories travel from person to person, by the word of mouth, let us treasure these up in our ears with reverence. Let us bring these self-same stories to the mind again and again and store up as many as we can, binding them together in the ties of love. The treasure can then be shared with each other in profusion. Now in these two pages uh, he is talking about the various methodologies by means of which the propagation of the word of that divine being is done. You write about these stories if you are given the permission to write. Normally these permissions are given by the sages themselves. They will themselves tell you Ki, you can go ahead and do this. The stories will come along the way. They will keep on resi- telling you constantly. At that point in time, you can keep on writing about them. So, this is what happened to Dabholkar. Now Dabholkar was sitting there on a very regular basis listening to the stories. Now, same as Mahindranath. I am sure you have heard of Mahindranath. Mahindranath was a very great disciple. He was a teacher in the school of Vidyasagar in Calcutta. In in Cal- He used to sit near the feet of Ramakrishna Paramahansa and he used to note down everything in his small book over there. Anything that Baba spoke was written down by him. Same way is the Bible. Now if you see the Bible, the Bible has been written by four different people. Every person's interpretation may differ slightly but the main essence is going to be the same. Likewise, there are so many authors who have written these beautiful things. Now, the idea is to imbibe from them what is the most important thing. That is called the essence. The stories are very wonderful. Again, Jesus' stories are excellent. Ramakrishna Paramahansa stories are beautiful. If you read them, if you ever read the uh, life of uh, uh, the Ramakrishna Paramahansa, you will come to know that. Same way with Baba himself. Baba's stories were written by Dabhulkars so that we can also hear them imbibe from them, get some beautiful learning from them and when we listen to them we will be reaching our state of delight and emancipation. In all this nothing is mine, the impulse is wholly from Sainath himself. Whatever he prompts me to say, I say you see, but then to say that I speak is again my ego. It is Sai who really holds a string and it is he who moves my tongue to speech. Who am I to say that I speak? Once the ego is surrendered at Baba's feet, boundless joy will ensue. As the ego is overcome, the whole life will be filled with happiness. When this idea occurred to me, I did have the opportunity but not the courage to put it to Baba. Suddenly, I saw Madhav Rao and I at once conveyed my thoughts to him. No one else was around at that time and Madhav Rao seized the opportunity and to ask Baba. Baba, this Anna Sahib, here, says that he wants to write your life story to the west, very best of his ability, if you will but permit it. Do not say I am but a beggar, begging alms from door to door, subsisting somehow on bread, with and without greens. or such a one as me, why do you want to write a life story? It will only excite ridicule, for you are a diamond which must be set in a socket. Now the earlier line was said by Anna Sahib. What he said was, See, you are such a poor man and all people look at you he with torn clothes and sitting over there in a masjid. The masjid also was a run down masjid, completely it had and by the way, Baba did not allow anybody to even do any construction work over there. You will come across that story where he refuses to do any any kind of you know repairing also of the roof. So Baba was sitting in this kind of a construction, it was a rundown place. And then sitting over there with a kafani uh, with his beard and all, nobody would look at him and say that he was such a great saint. So that is the reason why he says, see don't ridicule yourself that you are such an, uh, you know, such a person who is not at all like uh, a sage. See we want to write, so please allow us to do this. So what Baba says is, of such a one as me, why do you want to write a life story? It will only excite ridicule. People will just make fun of me. For you are a diamond which must be set in a socket. If only you will give permission and extend your help, the book will write itself or rather you will get it written by me by removing all the obstacles in the way. This is another part which you should understand. Even the idea of writing the book will spring up from a person only because the sage tells that person to do it. The idea can never come on on its own, by the way. So it is like, it's an echo coming from somebody else. So Sai Baba is using Daburkar so that he can do this. So that we we are the people just now sitting here listening to these beautiful stories. So we will be able to listen to them. Blessings of saints are in themselves the auspicious beginning of a book, while without your grace no writing can progress smoothly. Reading my thoughts, Sai Samarth was moved by compassion and said, Your wish will be fulfilled. I at once placed my hand, head at his, on his feet. Placing his hand of benediction on my head, he gave me Udi as Prasad. Such is this Sai, well versed in all the systems of divine faith and the liberation of his devotees from all the worldly ties. On hearing Madhavara's prayer, Sai took pity on me and began, began instilling courage to calm my agitated, impatient mind. Knowing the sincerity of my purpose, words indicative of this consent came from his mouth. Make a collection of all the authentic stories, experiences, conversations and talks etc. It is better to keep a record. He has my full support. He is but an instrument. I myself will write my own story. My own tale I shall narrate myself and thus I shall fulfill the wishes of my devotee to write my life story. He should subdue his ego and offer it at my feet. He who conducts himself in this manner in life will not only get from me full assistance in writing, writing this book but I shall toil for him in every way. When ego and conceit are totally resolved, leaving not even a trace behind, it is then I will dwell in him, writing the book with my own hands. While, When listening, reflection on writing is begun, with this thought firmly governing it. Then that work will be accomplished by myself. While he, Dabolkar, will only be made my instrument. A record must, of course, be kept, inside the house or outside, or wherever else you may be. Think of me again and again and you will enjoy peace. Listening to my stories, narrating them to others in a kirtan, contemplating on them will propagate love and devotion for me, which will destroy ignorance instantly. Whatever, Wherever there is faith and devotion together, I remain enslaved forever. Have no doubt about this, but otherwise I will always remain unattainable. When I heard this virtuousness and a good feeling, these stories will generate the devotion in the listener's mind self-experience and bliss will then follow most naturally and a state of perpetual joy will thus be attained the devotee will have self-realization which will bring in tune both the jiva, atma and shiva, brahma he will comprehend the incomprehensible which is without attributes and by the supreme spirit shall reveal itself now here again what has happened is the stories are going to get written down but you have to know that there, there is somebody who is taking down the notes. The notes are the words which the person keeps on saying. This is the great sage keeps on saying and somebody is writing down the notes. That is what happened in Mahindranath's case. Now you may think Mahindranath was doing the writing. No, it is the other way around. Please understand that it was Ramakrishna Paramahansa who was getting it done through him. Now this is a, There is a very beautiful story which happened in about a couple of uh, hundreds of years ago and there is a very beautiful uh, book which got written down and this was written in Orissa by the way and um, there was this great sage now he was writing the love story between Radha and Krishna do you know the name of that person hmm? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, I will tell you the name. Yes, jayadeva and the the name is Geet Govind. Yes, it's a very beautiful poetry. It is about love and devotion only. Now, when jayadeva was writing this book, one day it so happened that he comes across a point when, while while you just keep on writing, the words flow. When the flow is happening at that point in time there is there was a very strange case which happened and he got stuck up over there what was that in one of the episodes radha is sitting over there and krishna has come to say sorry to her and then he touches her feet and takes blessings from radha now imagine the lord almighty is supposed to touch the feet of radha and take you know say sorry to her now Jayadeva refused to write this, he said that I don't want to write this, how can Krishna go and say sorry to Radha? Because accordingly we think that Radha is you know uh, not that a great a persona as Krishna. So what happens is, he says I will write once I go for a bath. So he takes a towel and he goes to the river. So when he goes to the river, after a few minutes he comes back tells the wife I am going inside comes out again goes back after about half an hour to 45 minutes Jayadeva again comes back Now Jayadeva comes back and he is very agitated now they, he has not found any solution to what whether Radha how Radha is going to be sitting over there and Krishna is going to touch her feet so he goes to his room to see that somebody has already completed it So he comes out and asks his wife, he says, who had come over here? So his wife looks up at him and says, you only came just a few minutes back, you went inside the room and then you came out of the room and now you have come back again and you are asking me who had come? You only have written it. So immediately Jaideva understands that Krishna himself has come and written that part which was a very difficult part. So it was Krishna's approval. So if, naturally if Krishna was not writing this book through Jayadeva, how this would have continued? So this is the reason what we have to understand over here also, that the books are getting written by the sages or the God himself. So the Bible as a text or any other holy book that we say, got written by these sages or this God Almighty. So, So where were we? 85, so 86. Such is the reward, the fruit of my stories. What else would one want? This is also the ultimate objective of the Shruti. That is the Vedas. And so, by attaining this, the devotee will be enriched. When contentiousness prevails, ignorance and maya abound. There is no thought of deliverance. And the mind is continuously engaged in malicious, misconceived speculation. Such a one is not worthy of self knowledge. He is engulfed by ignorance alone. He can enjoy happiness neither on earth nor in heaven. Everywhere and at all times he is unhappy. Not for us, an obstinate maintenance of our point of view, not the refutation of another's point of view, not yet the re- exposition of the two con- contrary viewpoints. Why are all these futile why all these futile unnecessary efforts? Exposition of the two contrary viewpoints was the phase that reminded me of the promise I had given to my listeners earlier. At the time when the first chapter came to a close, I had promised the listeners that I will first tell them all the story of how the name Hemad was given to me. When the tale within a tale is heard, its appropriateness or otherwise can be determined and your curiosity will be satisfied. In fact, this is also prompted by Sai. Thereafter, the main story of Sai's life will be perused from the point where it was left off. Hence the listeners should listen to this story attentively. At the end of every chapter we hear hear of its being composed by the devotee Pant. But who is this Pant? This question will naturally arise in the minds of the listeners. And to satisfy the curiosity, they should listen attentively as to how the name came to be given to the author. From birth to death, 16 purificatory rites of the human body have been prescribed in the Shastras among which the naming ceremony is the one that is well known to all. Listen carefully you listeners to the short tale about this which will explain the me- naming of the author as Himarpan in his proper course. Here I uh, will just give you a small explanation. There are different kinds of purificatory rites that are given. Now what are those? One of them is the naming ceremony. I'm sure you know, you know, when a child is born, there is a very grand ceremony that happens. In the same way, we have this, when you grow of age, at that time, we have this upanayana ceremony that is performed, you must have heard of that also, where they, where they put the janevu, you know, you must have said, the thread ceremony as they call it. In, uh, in um, Jews also, they have the bar mitzvah, in Christianity, the Christians also perform this ceremony. Even the Muslims do it, everybody does it. So this is also a purificatory ceremony that is performed. In the same way, before marriage, during marriage also, there are certain ceremonies performed. The last ceremony is the death rites, by the way. <laughs> you know that thirteen day and some people do sixteen day, some people do the 3rd day. Depends, you know, every, every uh, religious uh, uh, you know, community will have its own way of doing. But that is also the last ceremony that is to be performed. That is the 13th day as we call it in Hinduism. In others, it is the death rites, you know, that happens. So, these are ceremonies that have to be performed. Now, Hemar Panta, the name. I know English, being those who read English will say pant. No, Hemar is not wearing a pant. Himad Pant. Pant means, in Marathi, we say, Pant Tumi Kuthe Javan Alat. Pant means, it's a respectful name, it's a like a respectful word, like uh, Rao Sahib. you know, it's Rao, Rao is a Padvi, Padvi means um, a designation sort of a thing given to a person, like Sir Lancelot, Sir. The name has been given. His Royal Highness, something like that. So, Panta is a name. It's basically like a, a very good sounding, uh, uh, this thing, as uh, a respectful way of saying something. So, that is the reason why he is mentioned over here. Mischievous, mischievous as the present writer was by nature, he was loquacious too and reviling and ridiculing, quite untouched by any knowledge of wisdom. He knew not the importance and the greatness of Sadhguru, but was very image of evil-mindedness, priding himself on his own wisdom and eager for argumentations. And yet so powerful was his line of destiny that by sheer good fortune and despite his resistance, he had the darshan of Sai's lotus feet. Had it not been for the indebtedness from the preceding births to the great devotees Kaka sahib Dixit and Nana sahib Sandorkar, could he, ever gone to, could he have ever gone to Shirdi? Kaka sahib kept on pressing me and the visit to Shirdi was fixed. But on the very day of departure the decision was suddenly reversed. This writer had a very close friend who initiated by his guru was devoted Guru Putra. While at Lonaula, with his family he was caught up in a very strange situation. At that place of such salubrious climate, his only son, who was strong, healthy and virtuous, caught high fever and fell ill seriously. All human remedies were tried. Charms and chants and religious rites were tried too. Even the guru was called and made to sit at his bedside, but in the end he gave the slip to everyone. At the critical juncture, the guru was was made to sit near him to avert the calamity, but everything was in vain. Strange indeed in human life. Whose is the son? Whose is the wife? So many things happen just because of karma. Destiny, the result of our past karma, is inevitable. When I heard these same sad tidings, my mind became dejected and agitated. Is this all the utility that the Guru has, that he could not even save an only son? Such overwhelming power of destiny and karma weakened my resolve for size darshan and became an impediment to my visit to Shirdi. Now here, if you have noticed, I mean those who have the book will understand that the word Guru has been written in small. G is small. Whereas, when we address the Sadguru or the Guru Maharaj, the G will be big and the S will be also capital letter. So this Guru that they are talking about, every person in their family has a Guru, by the way. okay? They will say this Guru came to my house, this fellow happened and that person came and that person came. These are people who tell you religious rites. They are basically Panditji's. They are not called Guru. Guru is a person, a Sadguru is a person who teaches you about self-realization, salvation talks about God, gives you experience related to God. He is not a person who is going to tell you do this puja, do this part, do this thing, do their thing, go to this place, do offer so many narials and this and that. That is not called a guru. That's a person who just advises you about some ceremonies and things like that. They are just teachers or they may be just some pandijis. So that kind of a person Now, in most of the households, you will find that we have this thing on our wall where Om and Shri and so many other things and uh, those uh, charts are drawn. Many of these households have. There will be one Tamra Patra over there on which different different uh, letterings would be written. All these things are done by these astrologers and people connected like that those are just to drive away evil eyes and all that just like we in Karnataka we have this big uh, you know Rakshasa's face is kept on that top of every building it's just like that it's like you can just go and buy from the market and put it over there so that the evil eye doesn't come when we were in Peru also we saw those you know bullock carts with that wine bottle kept on top of the house okay I had written a small thing on that also that is all They are only meant for that purpose. But the idea about destiny and karma can should never be mixed around with these people because they are not the ones qualified enough to give you any understanding or knowledge about this kind of things. So that is the reason why he is not talking about Guru Maharaj, he is talking about this guru who had gone to Lonavla. Incidentally, i think only person who has seen uh, dabulkar's house is uh, rajeshri over here uh, she has seen dabulkar's house dabulkar was our neighbor just down the road and uh, i know i used to know his entire family so he was a resident of bandra in mumbai okay why go to shirdi at all just see the condition of my friend is this all the profit of guru's company what can a guru do before destiny If what is destined is bound to happen, then where is the need for a guru? Thus the visit to Shirdi was put off. Why leave your own place? Why run after a guru? Why this love of inviting trouble in any other otherwise happy existence? Let us endure whatever is preordained, be it pleasurable or distressing. What is the use of going to a guru if the predestined cannot be averted? And much as one may wish, on the contrary, these things, events will come about according to the merit or otherwise that one has, to, has earned. Nothing can prevent the work of destiny. And it was this that ultimately dragged me to Shirdi. Nana Sahib Chandorkar, who was a subdivisional officer, set out from Thane on a tour to Basin and was waiting for his train at the Dadar railway station. There was an hour in between, so the vassin train to arrive and he thought he should utilize this time for some useful purpose. Even as he got this impulse, a train going only up to Bandra came to the station, which he then boarded. On reaching Bandra, I received a message from him and went to see him accordingly. He at once opened up the topic about Shirdi. So when do you propose to leave for Shirdi Darshan, Sai Darshan? And why all this slackness about visiting Shirdi? Why such delay in departure? How is it that there is no firmness of resolve in your mind? Nana's eagerness made me feel quite ashamed of myself. Very frankly, I then told him about the wavering in my mind. Upon this, Nana gave me very earnestly and lovingly a piece of sound advice. On hearing it, happily my desire to visit Shirdi was revived once again. Only after extracting from me a promise that I would start immediately did Nana go. I too then resolved to leave at once and went home. I then finished my parking and made all the necessary arrangement and set out on the ev- same evening to go to Shirdi. Thinking that, that the evening mail will halt at Dadar, I paid the fare up to Dadar and bought a ticket. As I boarded the train, which was still at Bandra, a Muslim swiftly entered the compartment even as the train was slowly moving out of the station. Like a fly in the very first mouthful, my b- me buying my ticket up to Dadar seemed to augur well for my I- journey. Right at the st- ill for my journey, right at the start, seeing all my luggage. Where where's to this journey? He asked me. So I said I will go to Dadar and catch a train to go to Manmara. He at once alert- alerted me. Do not get off at Dadar. The mail will not halt there. Go straight to Victoria Terminus. Had this warning not come in good time, I would not have been able to catch the train at Dadar, and then I know not what absurd ideas would have assailed the already wavering mind. But on that day I was seized that lucky chance and go to to go to Shirdi. Hence all these intervening incidents took a turn favorable to me quite unexpectedly. Next day I arrived at Shirdi at nine o'clock or ten o'clock in the morning. Bhau Sahib Dixit had already been waiting for me there. It was in the year 1910 that the incident took place. sathi was then the only place for the visitors to stay. As I alighted from the Tonga, my heart was full of eagerness for Baba's darshan that I could hardly wait to fall at his feet. Waves of joy surged up in my heart at that moment, Tata Sahib Nulkar, one of Sai's great and well-known devotees, had just returned from the mosque and said to me, make haste and take darshan quickly. Baba with his devotees had already come to the corner of the wada. Come as you are for the dhul bed first, for he will then set out for the landing. Have a bath afterwards and when Baba returns, then go to the mosque and have darshan comfortably once again. I will give you a story over here. <coughs> now, First and foremost, those who don't know much about Mumbai, I will just tell you there were a number of names that were taken one of the names that was taken was Dadar Dadar is a central point in the middle of Mumbai where the Western Railway and the Central Railway both meet Okay. on one side of Western Railway is Church Gate on the other side is Virar on the other side, that is the Central Railway One end is called Victoria Terminus. Now it is called Chhatrapati Shivaji Terminus. And the other side goes right up to Kalyan, Karjat and all that. Now this gentleman was staying at another place on the Central Railway called Thana. So from Thana you have to come to Dadar, change trains. Then from Dadar you are supposed to take the train on Western Railway which goes up to the North. North means it goes to Virar and then from there the train goes up to Delhi. Now what happens is, this gentleman, he got off at Dadar. Now instead of taking a train which was going to Vasai, Vasai is the basin which is Virar side, he took a wrong train and that wrong train terminated at Bandra. Bandra is just three stations away, very close distance, it's around less than 8 kilometers from there. Now at Bandra, if the train has terminated in the year 1910, remember, there were not many trains then. From Bandra station to our house was a matter of just around 6 or 7 minutes walk. So, this gentleman met Dabolkar at the station, maybe outside the station and told him, What are you doing? What is this that you are talking about? Somebody has died somewhere in Lonavla, and you are blaming the Guru for it, that is not the right way of doing it. You cannot blame the Guru. You see, there was a very strange instance which was given that if destiny is already written, why is it, what can the Guru do about it? Isn't that what is mentioned? So he says, Guru and all these are useless, I don't want to go. Whereas any which way, what is the Guru going to do? Destiny is already written, things which are supposed to happen are anyway going to happen. So Guru is not required over there. So when he meets this gentleman, he tells him that that is not the way of looking at it. If you have been called over there, when your ticket is already cut, you will land up in Shirdi. Come whatever may, there are no choices for you. If the Guru has called you, you have no choices but to go to him. It's like it's like a magnet, you know he's, he's drawing you inwards. There are no choices there. You will be pulled inwards, reeled in, as they call it, you know. And Jesus Christ, he had told uh, Peter, he told him that, "What are you doing over here?" He said, "I'm fishing over here." He says, "Don't fish. Come with me, let us fish for souls. You reel in the souls. That is what he does. Now the story which I promised you was this. It so happened that one of my very good friends, um, he was the secretary to a great uh, actor called Mithun Chakravarti. Now his name, I will tell you in a a moment. What happened was, they were just finishing shooting somewhere in towards Andheri side. And uh, he said, to Mithun let us go to Shirdi and Mithun Chakravarti is a great fan of Sai Baba so they decided okay fine we will go to Shirdi and they promised to meet late in the night there is a train from Dadar railway station which goes to Manmad it is called Dadar Manmad passenger okay you sit in a passenger train and you just uh, let it be the train will anyway reach some somewhere it stops at all the stations passenger trains I'm sure you know so what happened over there was he met, now the person's name is Vijay Upadhyay. Now Vijay and Mitunda they met at the other railway station. They ran inside to catch the train. They sat in the train and full night they were talking about Sai Baba. They reached early in the morning at Manmat railway station. From there they must have eaten some little, you know, vodapa um, or something like that. Got inside the bus. The bus was overcrowded. At that time, Mithun Chakravarti was not a great star. He was a very small artist. But he was doing, he doing heroes roles. Now, when he was getting inside the bus, Vijay was somewhere in the front and he was somewhere behind. And they reached Shirdi. They took the darshan. They had a bath over there. They took the darshan over there. After the darshan, they decided that they should come back to Mumbai. So they came back to Manmart station caught back the same train which goes back to Mumbai came back to Mumbai I'm all the while talking about Sai Baba Finally at the other station when they had returned back from the entire tour Mithun Chakravarti is asking Vijay Can you give me some money? I need money for a taxi to go home Vijay looked at him and said I am sorry I don't have any money then Mithun says but you had money, just now you paid for the bus and you paid for this and you paid for that, you should be having. He said, no I am very sorry, you don't understand. I thought you were the person who bought the ticket, you were the person who paid for the bus, you were the person who did the bus return fare also and come back. Both of them were thinking that the other person had paid for the tickets. That is the Leela of Sai Baba. This is a very strange story. You will come to know that neither of them paid for the entire journey, yet they took the darshan and they were back without any ticket collector or without anybody asking them whether they had gone over there. I mean, naturally, if you are caught, you will have to pay fine. But the entire thing happened in such a beautiful way. Now, if you see what Dabulkar is talking about, even his going there was a Muslim gentleman who got inside the train at Bandra and told him that you know that mail train which you are talking about Manmad mail it doesn't halt at uh, Dadar station so why don't you go all the way up to the end go to VT, and from there catch the train and that is how he landed at Victoria Terminus caught the train so that he can come back so I hope you got the gist of it Why go to Shirdi at all? Just see the condition of my friend. Is this all the profit of Guru's company? Uh, Did I finish this? Hmm. Yeah, I think I finished this. On hearing this, I rushed to the place where Baba was and as I prostrated at the dust of his feet, I could hardly contain my joy. Nana Sahib had already told me about Baba, but personally, I saw so much more than that. With his darshan, I considered myself blessed and the eyes had filled their purpose. Never before had I heard of or seen Baba's comely figure. Just take the call. With this darshan, I considered myself blessed, and the eyes were filled with their purpose. Never before had I heard or seen Baba's comely figure. Seeing it now, my eyes were calmed, hunger, thirst, everything was forgotten. All the senses stood still. The touch I experienced of Sai's feet, the kind inquiries that are made after me, were moments of highest plenitude in my life. My indebtedness will always and invaluably be to those to whom I owe this saintly association which has gladdened each and every part of my body. Only those who help spiritual progress are the true kith and kin. No other relative can be like them. That is why I believe in my heart. So great is their obligation that I know not how I can repay them. So I only lower my head at their feet with reverence and with the folded hands. I was blessed with Sai's darshan. All my doubts were resolved. And to add to it, I had Sai's sacred company. And I experienced the highest joy. Such is the marvel of Sai's darshan. Here, his mere darshan is enough to bring about a total change in one's manner and conduct. Whatever whatever of the past karma had remained will be wiped out and a loathing for sensual pleasures will gradually grow upon you. Now here, in this verse it is being mentioned over here, the moment you meet the sage, all your accumulated karmas vanish and Anything in the future which is called agami karma, agami karma starts reducing because the sage is telling you exactly how to lead your life. And when he tells you how to lead your life, your agami is literally becoming extinct. It doesn't appear over there. So only prarabdha, that is the one which you have come with, is the only one karma that you are supposed to fulfill. Understood? So. Sai's kindly glance destroyed the sins accumul- accumulated over past birth and gave rise to the hope that his holy feet will bring me eternal joy. By great good fortune that I have found Sai's feet, which are as the great Manas lake, which will transform me a crow into a swan. Sai is an Acharya, a spiritual head, a great yogi, a parmahansa, the most excellent among the saints. An a letter of all sins, suffering and adversity that he is, Sai's darshan and his sacred company had purified me. Greatly. <clears throat> this meeting with Sai Maharaj was the fruit of my accumulated merit over several past births. Once this Sai pervades your vision, the whole creation appears to you as filled with Sai. On the very day that I arrived in Shirdi, an argument arose between me and Bala Sai Bhate as to why one needs a Guru at all. Why give up one's independence and voluntarily embrace subjugation to another? Where there is a competence in the performance of one's duty, what is the necessity of a Guru? each one must ultimately strive for himself and if he doesn't, what can the Guru do? He who only stretches his limb indolently without so much as lifting a finger, what can anybody give to such a one? This was the simple point of view I put forward. My opponent held a point of view exactly opposite to mine. Obstinate adherence to their own point of view on either side balanced equally and so the controversy raged. The opposite side firmly held that, however proficient in Vedas a learned pundit might be, without the guru's grace, his deliverance would be confined only to the books. A fierce argument as to what is greater, destiny or free will raged. When you, when you lean so heavily on destiny, what can happen, said I. My opponent argued that whatever is to befall cannot be resisted. What is destined is just inevitable. The most conceited among the egotists have varied. Who can work against fate? You do one thing, the result is something else. Leave all your cleverness aside. But my ego would not accept defeat readily. I said, but how can you say all this? Human endeavor is power. What help can fate give to one who sits back lazily? Only by one's own effort can one uplift oneself. The smritis have proclaimed and it is impossible that by ignoring this, one should cross the ocean of this life safely. Now in these lines, What Dabolkar is talking about is is, he was a learned sage, please understand, he was a person, he was like a Panditji. So he had learned the Bhagavad Gita by heart. So he is quoting from the Bhagavad Gita that by self-effort only you can rise. So he is putting forward the argument that why is a Guru needed? Guru is not at all needed over there. By self-effort you can rise and you can reach the state of enlightenment or whatever that you wish to. In the previous lines, it was mentioned that even after many many births only you can meet your Guru. There was one story which I used to tell uh, earlier. Now there are some people who may not have heard, so let me tell you. Once upon a time it so happened that there was this gentleman who was being chased by a tiger. Now the tiger was behind him, so he goes into the jungle. So when he reaches the jungle, he has to climb up a tree. Knowing fully well that a tiger cannot climb. So he climbs up a tree. Thereafter, it so happens that the tiger sits down over there, watching him up over there. It becomes late in the night. After some time, it so happens that the tiger gets tired of waiting over there and goes away. This man is afraid. Remember, it's a jungle, he is afraid to go come down and go somewhere. So he sleeps, he is trying to sleep on the tree itself. Suddenly, in the middle of the night, He sees that there is one man who comes at the base of the tree. He lays out all articles over there of puja and he starts doing the puja over there. Now he is chanting some mantras and throwing some rice grains and stuff like that. While he is doing that this tiger returns. This tiger returns and sees the person sitting over there and pounces on him and kills him. There after that the tiger goes away. At that moment in time this person who is sitting on top of the tree climbs down arranges the body in such a way sits on top of the body fills the mouth of the dead body with the rice grains and other things This is called Shavasadhana By the way Shavasadhana is a tantric art which is practiced by the tantric people they sit on top of the dead body and do certain rituals so he performs those rituals and he keeps on saying some mantras after some time Ma Kali comes and stands in front of him and tells him what do you want my son so he looks up at Kali and says oh my god how how have you come over here I mean I have not done this puja at all this person who is dead below my below my feet, is the person who was doing the puja all the time. I just completed some little ceremony I think. So Kalima looks at him and says, you can ask me whatever you want to, I will grant you that wishes. So he says, no, first you tell me. I have not done this puja, yet why are you granting me the wishes? So she says, you see, in your previous life, the last part of the puja was left by you. So, what I did was, I myself became the tiger, I myself became this person sitting under your feet, I myself became the grains and everything and here I made you complete this entire puja, this tantric puja that was there, that Sadhana. So now that you have understood that I am the one who has pushed you towards completing this, so that you can reach that particular state of enlightenment. So you will find that, here also, it's the Baba who is reeling him in. It's the same thing that happens when a Guru is there. The Guru pulls the person towards him. So never have that particular ego in mind which says, that I don't want to go, I don't want to do this, this is not right, that is not right. There is no need. Have the humility, have that graciousness to accept. If there is a call from Shirdi, if there is a call from Kolkata, wherever the place that you are called in, go with grace. You will meet that particular divine being. Here one has to work for one's own salvation. So we are continuing the argument. Why then run after a guru? How will it suffice just to have a guru unless one is watchful of one's own interest? I am sorry we are exceeding the time. Is that okay with you? Huh? It's alright? or I can stop it's not a problem okay it's 198 I will try to finish it what siddhi what success can a guru give to a fool who has thrown away discriminating between the right and the wrong discriminating intellect the means for achieving this end and his own self purification this debate remains inconclusive nothing fruitful result from it if anything I lost my peace of mind in the bargain this is all I gain arguing in this manner whether where neither side shows the least sign of exhaustion three quarter of an hour passed by so that at the at last so at last an end was put to it later on when we along with others went to the mosque just listen to what baba asked kaka sahib what was going on in the vada he said what was all that dispute about and what was this Panth saying he looked pointedly at me and he said this last now between the vada and the mosque there is a considerable distance. How then did Baba know about this incident? I was quite astonished in my mind. All the same I was struck dumb by these piercing words and hung my head in shame that I should have behaved with such an impropriety in the first, very first meeting. The name Pant, which Baba gave me was, I felt, the direct result of the morning's heated disputation and I made a mental note that it must have been the incident which reminded Baba of Hemad. The great Yadav king of Devgiri Devgiri, was the same as the Jadavs of Daulatabad and the prosperity of the kingdom in the 13th century had much enhanced the glory of Maharashtra. One of the kings, Mahadev by name, was a valorous and mighty sovereign. Equally famous was his nephew for the valour and virtuous deed. And then later, Ramraj by the name, with a crest jewel in the crown, the Yadav dynasty and Himadri, a man of many parts and exemplary qualities, was a minister to them both. Author of the Triata is Dharmashastra, a most munificent benefactor of the Brahmins, hemadri was an earliest composer to arrange systematically a code of conduct which was inconsistent with Shrutis and Smritis. Himadri also wrote a book called Chatur, Chaturvarga Chintamani which discusses in detail in the four chapters of religious vows and observances, charity pilgrimages and moksha or salvation. Such was the famous composition. Hemadri Pant. in the Sanskrit means pant in Prakrit. The language in which this particular book has been written is called Prakrit by the way. It is an ancient form of Marathi. Marathi is the current uh, version of it. They, before this was Prakrit. He became well known in those days as a great state proficient in statecraft. By his line of descent, Gotra was from Vatsa, mine from Bharadvaj. The lineage, Pravara had five exalted persons, mine had three. He was Yajurvedi and I was Rigvedi. He was well-versed whereas I was an ignoramus. He belonged to the Madhyayin branch of Yajurveda and I to the Shakala branch of the Rigveda. He was le- learned in Shastra, while I was in Congregas. He, he had learning and wisdom while I was an inept fool. Why then this undeserved title to me? He was a seasoned politician, a shrewd statement. I was dull-witted and of little understanding. He was famous for Rajya Prashanti, his poetic composition in Sanskrit, whereas I was incapable of even a simple verse. An adept that he was in the art of writing, I was an ignorant fool. He was learned, being proficient in Dharma Shastra, but my understanding was very limited. Lekhan Kalpitaru in his collection of many and variegated poems and I Baba's ignorant child cannot even compose a simple verse. This was the period when Gora Kumbar, Mahar, Sautamali, Nivrittinath, Nyaneshwar, Namdev and other promoters of the Bhagavad Dharma had come up to the horizon. In the same royal court which was adorned by Leonard Gems like Pandit Bobdev, Maha Pan took the seat and earned fame among the learned and the talent. Thereafter, Muslim armies invaded the Deccan from the north, spreading themselves out everywhere. And that was the end of the rule of the Deccan rulers. But this title, no doubt, a tribute to my cleverness, was not conferred on me without a purpose. These incisive words were aimed at my contentious nature and to shatter my egotism strutting around my meagre knowledge mine was but an empty babble but Baba opened my eyes to my inadequacy of the knowledge by the timely collarium of admonition however as stated earlier the name so significant and so well timed which came from Sai's mouth I accepted as an ornament all the same I felt I should learn my lessons and not allow contentiousness a more evil quality even to touch me even for a moment for it brings on untold harm this name must have given to me so that I may shed my conceit about my argumentative power and that I may remember to my dying day to be very humble. Even Sri Ram, the son of King Dashrath, who was an incarnation of God or knowledge itself and a savior of the universe on whom the sages meditate all the time, even he used to catch the feet of his guru Vashishta. Sri Krishna was the comely form of the Brahma itself, but even he too had a guru. He had to take a guru and brave great hardship carrying logs of wood in the house of the guru Sandipani. Compared to them, who am I? Why then argue and debate at all? This is no knowledge without the guru, nor deliverance. The enunciation of the shastras was thus firmly fixed in my mind. Contentiousness is not good, nor so is the desire to vie with others. If there is no implicit faith and courage and patience, spiritual progress cannot be made in the least. In the days that followed, I myself experienced this. In this way with love and with good feeling and a pure heart, I has humbly accepted the name as an honor. But now let this story which refutes the idea of my party and the other party which ends in argument and counter-argument and is equally instructive to all, be set aside. And so I have now narrated the purpose of this book, for whom it is meant, in connection with the subject and also the naming of the author as Hemad. But now enough of this lengthening of the chapter, later on Hemad will offer O humbly at Sai's feet, other detailed stories in their proper order. Listen attentively O listeners, Sai alone is your prosperity, Sai is your total consciousness of bliss. He alone is your lasting detachment of the worldly afflictions and even our ultimate refuge is none but Sri Sai. But be all ears to Sai's story. By his grace alone can the fear of worldly life be overcome and the wicked sinful desires of this Kali Yuga can be totally destroyed. We'll be to all here, hence the second chapter of C. Sai Samartha Satcharit called The Purpose of the Book Naming of the Author as Inspired by the Saints and the Virtuous and composed by his devotee Hemad Panth. So, the last part of the story is all about how he got named. I don't want to go deeper into that. but. I think mm, some of you might be getting late. So those who wish to log off, they can please. But if you have any questions, you can ask me. Yeah. Uh, uh, What is the question? Did Parthata play a part in Pan authoring this book? Is this why he, he was used to author it? Did Parthata make him the chosen one? See, yes, you are right about it. See, patrata, I am not able to see, anyway, patrata means vessel, patra means vessel, vessel, you understand, a vessel. Now, if I have to carry the oil, can I carry it in a flat surface? I can't, I have to have a bowl, isn't it? In the same way what happens is, every person is a patra, patra means a particular vessel. For doing certain jobs. We are all nothing but vessels. Like I always use the analogy of a bottle. We are all bottles, isn't it? So in the same way, Pant was also a Patra. He was also selected by the Divine to write this particular book. You will find that there are many, many books that got written on Ram Krishna Paramahansa. But why do do people read the book which was written by Mahindranath M, that is because that became the gospel, same way it is called the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna Paramahansa, in the same way Jesus' story was written by many people, but there were certain people whose stories were picked up in the Bible and put over there. When we were doing the Bhagavata, we had I was telling you all that there were more than 90 stories were written. No 90 different gospels got written. Some of them were lost, some of them are not there at all. So these people like Luke, Mark, so on and so forth, they were the people who were given the choice that is becoming a patra. Uh, It so happens that you may be given the choice of writing something. It may so happen that you may not end up writing at all, that is also possible, then what happens? You have to come back to write once again. I will tell you a story regarding that. Narad Muni was a Patrata, he was a Patra appointed by Shri Krishna himself to write the stories. And finally, Narad Muni says to Bhagawan, saying that, I will complete over one crore verses in your name. So, Krishna says, okay, that's very nice. So, you go down to earth and start writing. Can one human being write a story over one crore verses? No, you can't. So he had to take many many births so that he can then complete it. So you will find that people like Tukaram, after that Namdev, Tukaram, so on and so forth. Right up to the time of Kanakdasa, the births are continuous. So that he could take one birth after another, after another, after another, finally he could then complete the promise that he had given the Lord. Again, like I said, if you are the Patra chosen for this, it may so happen that you may not write during the times of that particular person. Like you will find that the Bible got written over 150, 125 to 175 years after the death of Jesus Christ. After he was put on the cross. I can't say the death. After he was put on the cross. Now think about it. These four people wrote about it and there were many more. So this particular job was given to them and they had to complete it. Now jayadeva wrote it either in the 13th or the 16th century, very few people actually know about it. Think about it, Jedeva is a person who was writing about what Krishna and Radha were talking in Vrindavan. Same way there are so many uh, people, who Vaishnavas, who have written beautiful stories in the last century. When they were with the various sages. Uh, this continues so if you give up, if you if somebody gives up that particular story writing or that writing of the poetry at that particular point in time they have to come back to complete it so this is how the lineage has been maintained, how this line has been maintained and even in the story which I told you about Ma coming down to earth to give the darshan to that particular person she said in your last life you had you know, you had ended yourself just before this. So, in this life, I gave you the opportunity to complete that. And that is how things are completed. And Patrata is very much needed. When somebody has been given that particular job of writing, they are supposed to write. They will have to write it in the future at least. So, this is how it works. Okay? Any more questions? No? Because the time is up, so even if you wish to write to me also, you can write to me. I will answer you. So now I will take leave and you have a very good day and a good evening. Take care of yourself. Bye. Yes, ma'am.